Welcome and happy Friday. We are back from the Thanksgiving holiday. This is Travelog, of course, the podcast of Condé Nast Traveler. You know that because you press the Travelog button on your podcast device. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. It's back to work for us. We played a, an anthology episode last week. It was a good one. I hope you all enjoyed that. Um, that's the flight attendant and a pilot. Go back and give that a listen if you didn't. Back to work this week, and we have many, many announcements to make. So I'm here in the studio at the moment with Meredith Carey and Lale Arikoglu, who are both editors for Traveler. We got special guest Scott Kais, who's the founder of Scott's Cheap Flights, on the Skype. And so we're going to talk to Scott in a minute. Say hi, Scott. Hey, how's it going? But first, we have announcements to make. We'll start with the small announcement, which is longtime listeners of the podcast will recall that way back in the day when we first began this enterprise, we used to do a cocktail of the week. At some point we stopped. There's a long story behind why we stopped doing the cocktail of the week, mostly because we couldn't, we couldn't, nobody on staff was a good enough bartender to actually make <laughs> real cocktails. But behind the scenes, we have continued to, you know, sample adult beverages during the podcast. We record after working hours or after regular people working hours, <laughs> not after digital website uh, building people working hours. And so we do like to sample um, different adult beverages. And today we've got one that we actually wanted to call out because it's from some peeps in Meredith's neck of the woods. It's from Still Austin Whiskey Company, which is a small brewery. Um, no, I guess distillery, you don't call it. Yeah. Distillery, sorry. I should really know better. Than that. Um, <laughs> is it obvious why we stopped doing the drinks now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The one we're sampling today is Mother Pepper Whiskey. And I think part of the reason why we're doing this is just because that is such an unusual thing. Um, and the Mother Pepper Whiskey is distilled from grain with natural chili peppers. And there are five, was it? Three. Five, there are three, three of them. Three but different it feels types. like five. But it feels like it five in your mouth. It's very spicy. <laughs> it has a kick. <laughs> We've got chili pequin, smoked serrano, and aji amarillo peppers are all in this beverage. And it is a very nice um, pale color. So that's kind of interesting. It has a picture of a lawn chair on the back, which is always endearing. How's that whiskey taste, Mare? It's real spicy, and, and I kind of love it. <laughs> you digging it? Yeah, I think so. I, I have a really low spice tolerance, but I love all things spicy. So uh, my I'm first, try. I think it was like my second week here, Brad saw me crying at my desk because my lunch was so spicy, and I was just eating it and just crying. Just, and it was great. The, the sad me girl. <laughs> Brad did, in fact, just cry, and I think his like head just blew steam out of his ears. That is a lot of spice. Yeah. <laughs> you can taste the smoky, too. Yeah. All right. So that was the small, tiny little fun announcement. We now have the bigger announcement, which is one we're super excited about, which is that we have a new podcast. Brett, if you could put in that like a uh, little button noise, yeah. it's like, pew, 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 pew. Yeah. We need that some, would be great. <laughs> not, definitely need some of that. And this one is actually a really great, very special thing for us. Um, it's something we've been working on for a while. And I have nothing to do with this. Very deliberately, I have nothing to do with this. So, Mare and Lale, why don't you guys take it away? Tell us what's coming. So, launching next week, we have Condé Nast Traveler's Women Who Travel podcast, which is something very close to mine and Meredith's hearts. We've been working on it for a while, and we're super excited to bring it out into the world. Hopefully, a lot of you remember back in March, we launched our Women Who Travel package which covered everything from female first in the travel industry to talking about whether female-only hotel floors is a good or a bad thing, um, women pioneering the adventure 
realm of travel and just all sorts of things. Wonderful voices, um, very inspiring. And out of that was born our Women Who Travel Facebook group, which Meredith can tell us a bit more about. Yes, and there are now, what, approaching 35,000 ladies who are in this Facebook group who, you know, chat day in, day out just about places to go, problems that they're having, exciting things they're doing, sharing pictures from their own trips, encouraging each other, which has been so awesome to see. And when Lolly and I were first looking at it, we realized that, you know, this was a group of people who already were super invested um, in each other and in traveling, and we wanted to help them as best we could because we are also ladies who travel. Um, And so if you are not in the Facebook group and you are a woman, uh, please try to join. Um, We have admin who approve all of that. And then if you are a woman or are not a woman and just want to listen to me and Lale and a bunch of really awesome uh, ladies chat, our first episode is coming out on Monday. Monday, what is the official date of that? Um, so it's December 4th, uh, Monday. We're going to have a post just like usual as we do on our site with Travelog, and we'll also have it up on SoundCloud and iTunes as well, so you'll be able to find it uh, where you usually do. And, and, and um, we'll share it in the group exactly. as well. And I think one of the most exciting parts of it is we really want you guys to get involved. So each week we'll answer a question posed in the Women Who Travel group. You'll be able to submit your question via a voice memo to womenwhotravel at cntraveler.com and we will try to answer it. So you're going to actually, people can actually get their voices on your podcast? If you've ever wanted to be on any Traveler podcast, just this is your chance. Okay, so I have, am I, is a dude allowed to ask questions? Yes. Okay. (laughs) I'm not coming on the show, but I'm just going to ask some questions. I think you're what they call an ally. (laughs) An ally. Okay, working on that. Um, But what's the first episode? What's coming on Monday or Tuesday? So our first episode, we're going to be talking about solo travel, which sort of almost felt like a sort of the great big elephant in the Facebook group. Whatever conversation starts seems to always come back to solo travel. I think it's something that women are very interested in doing. They want to get out there, travel alone, explore the world by themselves. But of course, all sorts of questions are raised by it, whether it's and and it's everything. It's from safety to whether you're going to enjoy being by yourself to whether you want to share it with someone. You know why you would want to do it alone. And um, we try to answer some of those questions. And we are joined by Cynthia Drescher, our longtime traveler contributor, who you've heard on Travelog many times. Yes, calling in from the Maldives. I think at one point you can hear just like a, a speedboat or a plane <laughs> yeah. puttering behind her. <laughs> Um, and then Jessica Nabongo, who has also worked with Traveller before on Facebook Lives. She runs the blog Catch Me If You Can and also the boutique travel firm Jet Black. And so did you draw for this first episode from because I know this topic comes up a lot and we've covered it before. Did you draw from the Facebook group for that first episode? We did. Yeah. Um, both just in terms of topics we felt that were important to talk about. And we do try and answer one member's question. Yes, I think the most interesting question that came out of kind of like doing research for this podcast was there was one woman who very interestingly asked something that I think I had never asked myself, um, which was why would you want to solo travel when you could be sharing it with somebody else, even if it's just a friend or a family member? um, Why would you want to be on your own? And I think everyone in the group, including Aaron Florio, who's also been on um, this podcast, had a lot of really interesting, exciting things to say, most of which were that you get to be really selfish. 
On a solo trip. <laughs> on a solo trip. Man, yeah. dudes can't say things like that. <laughs> yes, you can. We've had thousands of years of not being allowed to be selfish. <laughs> True. I guess you got me there. And are you guys going to be doing it weekly? Yes. So we're going to do eight-week seasons. So you'll hear us for a little while, for about two months, and then we'll take a little break, and then we'll be back for another two months and on and on and on. And not to put too much of the behind the scenes, but what's it been like for you guys to put this together? Because you've collaborated on it. It's something that you've been working on for several months now. I think it's been really exciting just to see. I mean, Cynthia called in at midnight um, in the Maldives. Jessica was flying to Thanksgiving in Detroit and stopped in New York for maybe six hours so she could be on the podcast. I think it's been really exciting to see how you know, easy and ready all of these women who we look up to are to be a part of this. And then we've also had so much great feedback inside the office. Um, and then we have a new female sound engineer, Carrie Ann, um, who will be joining us as well. And I think we're just, we're just excited to see how excited everyone else is. Cool. The last question, and then I'll let you guys just <laughs> do the podcast. <laughs> um, but can you give people any kind of preview of maybe some upcoming topics that you're going to take on that you're excited about? Yeah, so in addition to solo travel, we're going to be doing an episode on how travel changes as you get older. Obviously, the sorts of trips that you want to take when you're 21 change by the time you're 31, 41, 51, so on. Um, so we'll be talking all about that. We have another episode coming up about women who are doing amazing things in the food and cocktail industries and how they travel around the world and how they eat around the world. That one I'm really excited about. And then we also have one which will be timed for all that New Year's FOMO when you're stuck back at work and it's gray and you're miserable. Um, and we'll be talking about the joys and perils of people documenting their travels on Instagram. Great. So listen, everybody, if you're not a member of this group, go and join this group. Is this, a, is this I'm asking this because I have insider knowledge that this has actually come <laughs> up. So this is not intended to be overly a provocative a question, but is this a self-identification as a woman yes, kind yes, of thing? Yes, it is. Okay, Self-identifying women. Because it, it is a closed group. You guys don't let, and this is to keep trolls out primarily. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, which is a problem. Yes. Uh, this is the internet. So join up on the group if you can before next week and start submitting your questions and your topics. You've heard some of the stuff that's upcoming. We're really, really excited. This is terrific. You guys are obviously mainstays of this podcast and you've both been terrific for the last two years, year and a half, however long we've been doing this. It's not two years yet. Um, it is two years. Two is years. it two years? Yeah, it's been two years. Ah, okay. <laughs> so you've both been great for a really long time. And I think it's going to be terrific. This group has been terrific since we started it. It's growing so fast. A lot of energy around that and a lot of excitement. So tune in next Monday, December 4th, and check it out. And that, I think that's it for the promo, right? Yeah. Great. Thanks, Lale, for coming by. Thank you. You are free to go now. <laughs> I will take Unless my hang out and pepper whiskey back to my desk. <laughs> pepper whiskey. Um, Scott. Thank you hey. for being patient. My pleasure. I'm excited to be here. And you, of course, have the website, scottscheapflights.com. We talked with you a little over a year ago. This is a part two for us, the sophomore edition here. Mm. Um, we talked to you, and I went back and I listened to the podcast. From, it was on September 2nd of last year that we talked to you. I went back and listened to it, and it was really interesting because... 
I think people should go and check that one out. We talked about your origin story. Um, Mm -hmm. We talked about that $130 Christmas time flight to Milan that kicked everything off for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And at the time, you described what the operation was uh, like, and you had 100,000 subscribers at the time. And you described your process as sort of typing in lots of city codes, visiting Skyscanner, Google Flights, and a bunch of other sites, and sort of tracking down deals in this like really kind of manual and labor intensive process. And I'm wondering, it's been a year. I know that things have been moving very quickly for you. Um, and we've been working with you f- throughout that time, but for people who maybe have tuned in for that, or maybe who are just tuning in now, can you talk a little bit about how things have changed for you in the last year? Yeah, man, it's weird to think about where I was a little over a year ago and to think about like, on the one hand, it was only a year ago. On the other, on the other hand, I feel like so grown up compared to oh, in my youthful, <laughs> my youthful twenty nines. Like, what man, what a what a time to be alive. But um, yeah, no, things are things are wild right now. So we uh, um, said a little over a year ago, we were at about a hundred thousand subscribers and a small team of about I think five people or so. Uh, now, a year later, we're over a million subscribers with a team of about twenty five. Going to hit. 30 by the end of the um by the end of the year and just fast growing um we've expanded so we don't just cover deals departing the u.s but also departing basically the rest of the entire world you know europe australia new zealand asia latin america the caribbean on down the line and uh yeah i mean it's it's i can't tell you what a thrill and a joy it is to be able to wake up every day and have literally my job be looking for cheap flights that i mean it's it's so much fun not only to be able to do that type of work but to be able to help people travel in a way that they didn't expect they were going to be able to uh to take those you know those trips to see those those places and see those families and friends that they thought was going to be unaffordable otherwise and then to be able to show them like wow no here are the tickets here are the ones that you can buy right now if you want to you know get over to Europe for 400 bucks you can get over to Japan for 350 like it's yeah I'm just I, I can't can't stress enough how uh, uh, fortunate and throwing it is to be able to do that every day I, I mean I, I think we got to pause and take a moment I, know, I and think say, that the like the pew, pew, pew noise needs to come back yeah. <laughs> you 10x your business over the last year you, you went from a hundred thousand to a million that's kind of amazing and oh, I'd man. like to. Does that, I'd like, does that mean I'm, I'm not invited back until we get 10 million? <laughs> no, I think it demonstrates the power of travelogue. I think <laughs> I think it's everybody else needs to come on the that show now. Bump? Yeah, the travelogue mm-hmm. bump, exactly. No, but I think that's really great, and and congratulations. And I'm and I, and I, I'm curious. You know, we talked about where your subscribers had come from and how you started with friends, and then you you know you sort of grew from there. What has led to this explosion? Like you're obviously reaching tons more people. What are you seeing in the people that are coming to you now? And how has that changed as well? You know, it's an interesting thing because I didn't necessarily know this before I started Scott Street Flights as a business, but um, it's been remarkable for me to see just what a powerful thing cheap flights are. That travel and airfare especially is such an opaque industry that like who knows what any given ticket is supposed to cost, you know, from, I don't know, from Chicago to Rome you know, two months from now, like, what is that ticket supposed to cost? Nobody knows. And it's constantly changing, not just, you know, week by week or day by day, but hour by hour nowadays, you know, even minute by minute, sometimes it's changing. And so people want to, people don't want to spend, you know, all their free time, like searching for those deals, but at the same time, they don't want to get ripped off. Like nobody wants to be a sucker. 
and nobody wants to be paying, you know, a thousand dollars for that ticket when the person next to them paid 400. And so like, to the extent that people have sort of an insight, like a feeling that they, okay, you know, I've got someone on my side who is just being my advocate, my concierge, finding those cheap flights and letting me know so I don't have to spend my time doing that. It's been a really, I think, powerful thing for a lot of people and for a lot of folks, you know, we haven't done any marketing. We do a zero dollar marketing budget. We invest the money in customer support and, and, and expanding the business otherwise. And so what we've relied on solely is just word of mouth, just, you know, friends telling friends, family members telling family members, folks telling each other like, hey, you should get on this list. You should, you know, it, it, like, I know you like to travel. I know you like to go places. I know you don't, ha- you know, you're not a millionaire with a ton of money to spend on flights. So like get on this list. And when a cheap flight pops up to Rome or cheap flight pops up to Madrid, you know, book it, like just, just go and do it. And so it's it, the power of cheap flights and of, of friends and family members recommending to one another, like the best ways to get them is frankly a much more powerful thing than I would have expected a year ago. And I think the main contributor to how we've grown to over a million subscribers. I feel like it's been really interesting because, you know, I have a lot of friends who now subscribe to you. My mom is a, is a big fan. Um, but (laughs) (laughs) no, but I think that, you know, a year ago I felt like a little bit of a Pied Piper being like, every single one of you needs to be subscribed to these flight deals, not even just to actually book them, but I have a lot of friends and I've met people, you know, strangers, um, who were like, no, I subscribe because one, I then like, you know, just by looking at the deals kind of know what a good deal is. But second, Mm -hmm. just knowing like, you know what, if I wanted to, in the next hour could book a flight for $200 to this place, Mm -hmm. that brings, you know, a lot of my friends and and family members so much joy just because they can be like, okay, one, I feel educated. And two, mm. if I wanted to go somewhere, I 100% could. And I'm just waiting for that perfect time mm-hmm. um, to be able to actually book it. It totally resets your priors on what you should expect to pay for flights. Like in some ways doing this business has ruined travel for me, in, in, in like buying flights for me because now I won't buy a flight to Europe if it's more than $450. I am 100% on board with that. I can't do it. I can't justify it. (laughs) No, I write flight deals every day as well. And I just, now I'm at this point where I'm like, if it costs more than $500 anywhere around the world, (laughs) you could not get me to pay $500 to go to the North Pole. Like on a once in a lifetime experience, I'm like, it will come. The day will come when it is $200 and I will be waiting. Oh man. Yeah. It's that patient. It's, It's being patient. But then when the opportunity does present itself, you got to, you know, you got to pull the trigger fast. You got to you got to jump on it while, you know, while the iron's hot because the best deals aren't going to last very long. So I I 100 percent agree with you. The sort of seizing of the opportunity that you're talking. I mean, I think it's very common for travelers, for people who identify as travelers, I guess is one way I would put it, to sort of have this list in the backs of their heads of uh, places that they want to go. And if the price were right and the timing worked out, you know, they would jump on it. Um, most of us are, are that way. But I also feel like that doesn't have anything to do with price as such. It has to do with value for dollar. Because okay. there's something about flights that are like, that. it's like plumbing, right? Like in terms of travel, and I know some people would disagree with this, um, and please tweet at us and let us know if you're one of those people. <laughs> um, but for most people, the flying is the getting there, and you want it to be kind of as pain-free as possible. But mm-hmm. you have to do it because it's the only way to get you know, halfway across the world. 
And so you're looking to make it happen as efficiently as possible so that you can spend your money, even if you have money to blow on things, you can spend it on other things besides that sort of basic functional level. So I, de I get that, but I'm also curious as to how much you know about your subscribers and whether they tend to be very young people who tend to maybe not have families or not have lots of commitments and be able to sort of take off at a moment's notice. How much of that? I mean, a million people is a lot of people, so I'm guessing there's a cross-section there, and I'm certainly a subscriber. But I'm curious as to you know, what kind of feedback you get from people who are able to take advantage of this stuff to the fullest. Yeah, that, that's a great point. I want to touch on the first thing you said because I think that really rings true that for most people, flying and air travel is purely functional. You know, It's just a means of getting from point A to point B. Most people don't care you know, whether you're flying Delta, whether you're flying Lufthansa or uh, Iberia, British Airways, it doesn't matter. Just, you know, get me there, get me there for a reasonable price and without, you know, massive layovers and get me there safely. And, and, and so once kind of you've got, gotten that, then I think most people are like, yeah, just, you know, show me what the best value is that the, I think the a, the golden age of like airline loyalty is really starting to come to an end, especially with the advent of budget airlines starting to, um, eat the legacy airlines as lunches. But to touch on your second point about like, who are, who are these million subscribers? Like, you know, who are the people who tend to do on this? It does tend to skew a little bit young. So, uh, um, we did, you know, a survey recently of folks, uh, uh, kind of about two thirds are in their sort of 18 to 45 or so. A lot of people who tend to have a little bit more free time to be able to travel though, you know, kind of the like weekend warrior types folks who can, who are excited and eager to travel the world don't necessarily have a ton of money to be able to do it, but you know, maybe have a couple, two, three, four weeks of vacation a year and want to make sure that they're using it as well as possible. Um, so it actually tends to be a very even 50, 50 split male to female, uh, 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 tends to, like you said, skew a little bit young, tends to gravitate a little bit more towards the bigger cities. Though one of the things we really kind of pride ourselves on is that we don't just search New York, LA, Chicago, Houston, that we search a hundred different U.S. airports and you know airports all around the world, and make sure that, like, for instance, we sent a mistake fare out a couple nights ago to New Zealand uh, that had just about every single airport in the United States to New Zealand for 390 to 550 bucks round trip. Wow! Like, yeah, an incredible, incredible deal. My our neighbor here ended up actually is is from New Zealand. Ended up getting tickets for his whole family. It was wonderful and. Um, that's one in instance where it wasn't just, you know, the sort of big coastal cities or bay or, or major metropolitan areas that it, but even Des Moines and Boise and like the airport where I grew up in Dayton that, you know, even there had like uh, uh, 500. Yeah. I think it was like 580 bucks round trip to Auckland. So, uh, um, yeah, people tend to be very, very spread out, but, uh, uh it's a good, it's a good sort of cross section of, of the country, but definitely that sort of world, worldly minded, uh, uh, travel oriented folks. And in terms of destinations, do you find people gravitating more or, or, or responding more to national or sort of domestic or international locations? You guys only mm. do international destinations, correct? So for the most part, yes, we do, uh, search Hawaii and Alaska and like us islands, you know, Puerto Rico, Virgin Islands, Guam, places like that. So most popular places, not terribly surprising, you know, your Paris, London, Rome, Barcelona, Madrid, uh, those places, 
Brazil, very popular. Japan, very, very, very popular. Uh, Bangkok and and, and um, places in Vietnam. But a few, a few other ones are starting to really kind of creep up, I think, in terms of demand and popularity as well. Uh, India, um, a lot more travelers are looking, I think, to go to India. Fares have been really uh, um, come down a lot there in the last year or so. The, uh, the Baltics, getting uh, more and more popular, Estonia especially, and, and elsewhere in Scandinavia as well, Copenhagen, Oslo, starting to get very popular, especially with uh, a lot of cheaper airlines flying there. The problem is, unsurprisingly, once you land in Denmark, once you land in Norway, you're taking all the money you saved on flights and spending it on food and accommodations and you know all the sort of cost of living uh, daily expenses there. Sure. Um how has the process changed or has it changed? You know, you, now you have 30 people, but is the process still basically the same for you guys, which is what you described last time of going on and really doing sort of boots on the ground, gumshoe, whatever the metaphor, um, research. Mm -hmm. It is. And, you know, I think a surprise, I think that's surprising for, uh, a lot of folks is, how much of finding cheap flights is just the legwork of it? I wouldn't have necessarily expected this before I started started into this work, but so much of it is just that the fair, airfare is constantly changing. You know, we'll have we'll send out a deal. This this is an actual deal. I remember this one very vividly. Uh, a few months ago, sent out a deal that included Atlanta to Amsterdam for I believe it was three hundred and eighty dollars round trip, nonstop round trip. An amazing deal. The very next day, that exact same ticket, same flight, same seats, same dates, everything, $1,300. Wow. You know, so it, you're talking like a $900 difference for the exact same flight. There's kind of complicated reasons why airfare shifts and uh, uh, changes so much. But the important part for our purposes is that it is constantly changing. And it's not just changing every week. It's not just changing every day. It's changing like every hour. And so how, you know, to really just be searching it to be you know spending all day every day looking for the flights when they pop up getting them out with the knowledge that the best deals oftentimes aren't going to last more than six eight or ten hours getting those out is is really i think key to helping folks be able to get the best deals before they disappear while i wish everyone was on our site 24 hours a day <laughs> like they are on their email um you know we have to make that decision when i um coordinate flight deals and i write them or i assign them out to somebody else um to write you know our readers might see um or our you know podcast listeners if you um read our flight deals you might see it you know six eight ten hours after we've posted it um because of the nature of the facebook algorithm or search or you know you don't get our newsletter in time and so we have to like make an educated guess of like you know what is this even going to be around when people read this and there i mean there are flight deals that we pass around the office that we're like damn this is yeah. so good yeah. and no one else is gonna get to see it because i mean Unless yeah. you subscribe to someone like you or another, you know, sure. newsletter that, you know, you can't book because, you know, it's going to be gone in two hours. And if you don't book it now, you're just not going to get the chance. Well, and, 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 you know, I think that's an interesting thing that it wasn't necessarily intentional in doing an email list to start, but that I think has been a real happy accident is the extent to which having them delivered to people's inboxes helps in being able to for people to jump on it right away because you know you get an email in your inbox your phone buzzes you see it oh wow okay there's you know these amazing fares over to, to Tokyo or something like in a way that if 
all these fairs existed on scottscheapflights.com and it was reliant on somebody going to scottscheapflights.com and hitting refresh every, you know, 15 minutes, like nobody's going to do that. And so, you know, if they're just having to go there, oh, let's see, like once a day, maybe what sorts of fairs offered, it's not as amenable to the industry of airfare where it's constantly changing, you know, and, and oftentimes only have a few hours to be able to book the very best deals. And so the fact that we kind of deliver it straight to people, I think, helps them be able to uh, to get those deals while they're still available. And I think that, you know, we put out kind of feelers to see if anyone had specific questions for you. And while this wasn't uh, one of the questions that was asked, you know, something that comes up in our comments section all the time is someone who's like, I can't find them. I can't find them. And I just want to be like, oh, you're you're just like 30 just, minutes too late. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I empathize so much because, and probably because that happens to me, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I um, very vividly remembered uh, um, I was I found a mistake fare to India. This is a couple of years ago, actually, but I found a mistake fare to India that I think was like $280 round trip. Oh, Amazing deal. And I'd never been to India. I was like, okay, you know, I looked to see which of my friends were online, messaged me, I'm like, hey, do you want to go to India for 280 bucks? You know, finally found one. It's like, yeah, all right, let's do it. But we didn't know where to go. So we spent the next hour kind of researching like, okay, where in the country should we go? And like, how long should we be there for? By the time we got a game plan together and we like, I was literally put my credit card info in, hit purchase. It had just disappeared like not 10 seconds ago. So I know that pain very vividly of like just, just missing those incredible deals. And so I empathize a lot. The upshot that I try to remind people is like, look, these, with rare exception, most of these deals are going to be back at some point. You know, if you have just a bit of patience, like those sort of $400 round trip fares to Europe, if you miss it this time, like wait a few weeks, wait a month, it'll be back. I think the biggest thing is that you just have to be flexible enough to do that because I've had kind of like the opposite thing happen where I, you know, had been waiting and waiting and waiting for flights to drop um, to go to Italy. And then I, you know, just was like, you know what? It's not going to happen. I bit the bullet. I bought my flight to Genoa. And the next day I got an email from Scott's Cheap Flights about super cheap fares to Rome. And I was like, my mom, who also obviously gets her uh, newsletter, was like, do not check your email. Do not do it. You're going to be so mad. And so I think that, yeah, I mean, it's it's totally a game and you have to be willing to play it and you have to Mm -hmm. kind of time it right. And if it doesn't work out, yeah, it comes back around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's absolutely true too. There can be instances where where you have to bite the earlier, and it just doesn't end up like oh, some cheap fares pop up, and you're like, oh man, I wish I had waited a little bit. It ha- that's happened to me too. Mayor, this was a question I was going to ask you because you are our flights, our flight deals editor. We cover this every day, but we cover a, a subset of what Scott is doing and what other people um, are doing. And so I'm wondering, what are the criteria for your decision making about what we're going to cover every day? So primarily what we do is we look at where it's leaving from, where it's going, how much it costs, obviously. Um, And usually I would say with the exception of, you know, Australia, like far southern hemisphere. So Cape Town, um, if you're going to Buenos Aires, um, if you're going on a really like 17, 18 hour flight, that can be over $500. But usually for the most part, we try to stick under $500 because if you want it to be a deal, you want it to be really good. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, the other thing that we look at is 
layovers and the airline. So with layovers, you know, yes, you might be paying $150 for a really great flight. You could have three layovers and your flight is like 36 hours. That's not worth it. It really isn't. It's never going to be worth it unless you can do a stopover in those cities. If you're spending an hour in the airport and you have to switch airports and you might have to go through customs, it's just going to be so much more stressful than $150 is ever worth. Completely agree. And I think this is worth pointing out to people who may be even doing their own research on like Google Flights because you'll get that little green you know, it's price sneaky. tag and that price tag will be like $450. And then you go and you look at the actual construction of the flight that is the $450 mm-hmm. flight. And it, it's like that. It's like 22 hours or whatever because you've got three layovers. Mm. And and the real price of a one stop or direct is far more. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. And, and you know, I, I live and die by those little green um, numbers <laughs> when you log into or, you know, you open up Google Flights and you put in your dates and your and your destination. The calendar box will show you kind of like what are the cheapest options but I think when it comes to airlines there are some airlines that we have that are just no-goes that either we don't feel are safe that don't offer the right service that may be you know Scott you and I have talked about this before but you know mm-hmm. sometimes those wow air flights or those Norwegian flights are going to end up being so much more expensive than mm-hmm. even a regular ticket they just look really shiny and nice on the outside um, mm-hmm. so you have to kind of factor all of that in and say you know Am I going to be flying crazy amount of hours for you know a little amount of money? Am I going to be flying for a lot of money that I didn't think I was going to spend? Um, and I think when we think about destination cities and departure cities, we're a little more flexible because you know if you live in the tri-state area and the only flight deal is two hundred dollars to Paris from DC, like you buying a train ticket or a short flight is probably still mm. going to be less expensive for you than getting on regular flight. Um, so I think that again, it all comes with being flexible. A lot of what we do when we, you know, limit what we put out every day is just, is it worth it for you? Will you have enough time to actually book it? And I will say something that I write in almost every single deal is if you are booking inside the U.S. You have 24 hours to cancel your flight and get a full refund. And I am so pro book now, figure your shit out later because you might miss the flight deal just because you were, like you said, if you find your buddy, just book the flight. Just book Mm -hmm. it. Don't Mm -hmm. worry about planning your trip. Don't worry about booking anything else. You can do that later, you know, two hours later. But book it so that you get the deal and then think about it. And then you can always get a full refund if you, I mean, if you're going to cancel it, cancel it within 24 hours for sure. But I mean, it's the ultimate, it's the ultimate like heads I win, tails you lose situation that most people just don't realize is available to them. No, it's, I think it's like the magic the magic little like undo button if you yeah, decide right. in the end that it's not going to work out or those dates aren't going to work or whatever it is that if you just book it and figure that out you know in a second yep. you're going to yep. be better off if you actually want to go on the trip yeah we covered this in that previous episode as well and a lot of people may not be aware of this that there is a magic undo button that it's if i'm not mistaken it's mandatory mm-hmm. yes um and that you can cancel a flight. Yeah, get legal, a legally required by the U.S. government. Full yeah. refund within mm-hmm. 24 hours. Yep. But you brought up a, a point, Meredith, that I wanted to follow up on because we invited readers to give us some questions for Scott today on Facebook and Twitter. And we got a couple back, one of which was along the lines of something you were just talking about, which is, um, you know, how can these fares get so low? 
they were sort of saying like, do these planes, like, is there something wrong with the planes? Like, did the planes get inspected? <laughs> like, and, and you sort of, you talked about the criteria that we have and, and, and I guess the reader's asking, you know, what do they need to know about these airlines before they book? Because sometimes these deals come on airlines that people may not be familiar with. I think that if you see, for me, and Scott, you can totally chime in if you disagree or have another idea, but I think, one, if you're looking at a code share, um, on Google Flights, that'll show up. It'll say, you know, the main airline that's running it and then maybe other alliance members that you might be more familiar with. Um, those people aren't actually flying your flight, but it might make you feel a little better that there's a familiar name attached to the flight, and that airline is trusting this other airline to carry you as, quote, their passenger. I think that, you know, going to Skytrax and looking up how the airline is rated, you know, you take everything, you know, all those reviews on the internet with a grain of salt. And yes, a lot of us have had really bad experiences flying with airlines that everyone else loves. You know, I'm like the biggest fan of Southwest in this office and a lot of other people are not as big fans. Um, so take people's, you know, advice. But if the, if Skytrax rates it, you know, highly, you are safer, you know, for or above, you're, you know, decently safe flying that airline one for real safety. And then also, you know, they're going to probably deliver you on time. There's not going to be huge delays. You know, you're going to get food and things like that. And just, um, so, just, just so people know, skytrax.com. Mm -hmm. S-K-Y-T-R-A-X, skytrax.com. Um, and they have, you know, airline ratings and, and the like, and they'll tell you, you know, if it's a five-star airline. And Scott's emails also will tell you five, four-star, um, which is usually what we lean to. Um, and if something has like a one-star rating, just run away. It's not, <laughs> it's not worth it. Scott, what's your policy on that? Do you guys think about that stuff as well? Yeah, absolutely. Like we have airlines that we just don't send out fares on. Um, uh, a few that come to mind are um, some of the mainland Chinese ones, uh, China Eastern, China Southern, Air China. We don't send out mostly because their on-time performance tends to be horrible. Um, the, you know, a typical airline is going to have an online on-time performance hopefully in the sort of low to mid 80%, maybe even higher if they're good, if they're a really good airline. Uh, the Chinese airlines for a number of factors uh, um, have on-time performance around 60% or sometimes high 50s. And couple that with the fact that there's not a whole lot of duplication in their route system. That means like if you get delayed by a few hours and you miss your connection and you're flying on China Eastern, it might be 24 hours until you get another flight. And if spending 24 hours in the Beijing airport sounds like your idea of a good time, then <laughs> absolutely. Go book, go book cheap fares on China Eastern. I think most people, it's not their idea of a good time. And you know, that's to say like, that's not going to happen on every single China Eastern flight, but the odds of it happening are a lot higher than if you're booking, you know, with well, tons uh, with uh, British Airways and others. Although I think on one of the podcasts we discovered that you can actually jet from the, or leave the airport and go, to the Great Skate Wall. Skate down the Great or, uh, Sled oh, down sled the Great, the great wall. wall. Yeah. So there are pros and cons, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Lemons into lemonade. I like it. <laughs> yeah. um, um, I would also say that, you know, those same airlines, while they may not be great for, and there are, you know, plenty of other airlines that might not be great for, you know, transatlantic flights from the U.S., flying China Eastern or Southern or Air China in Asia is a different kind of scenario because they actually do have more often um, mm -hmm. flights and, you know, they're yeah. the actual national carriers. So yeah. that's a better option than, say, flying from L.A., you know, to Beijing because yeah. you're going to have a, a better chance a real, of actually getting yeah. there. That's a really good point. The other main ones that we don't we don't tend to send budget 
airlines, which are, you know just recently in the past few years started to enter the trans uh, oceanic market. So you know your Norwegian. Every once in a while, we'll send Norwegian, but we don't send out Wow. We don't send out Primera Air. The reason why is especially with airlines like Wow, and I'm more than happy to go on my Wow Air rant. But um, <laughs> we'll have to it, get it, Laura Redmond on the podcast. Yeah, you guys really. can just duke it out because she's not a fan <laughs> oh, either. Man, I will. I will go on for hours about them. The um, the gist of it is that they're fees are very high and their airfares tend to be a little bit deceptive from what people think they're paying for to what they ultimately end up having to pay. And it ends up being a way worse deal than typically if your patient get a good deal on, you know, on United, on Swiss or, or, or um, some other just kind of standard full service airline. But I think the larger point of how these fares can be so low goes back to the fact of for a lot of people, like, a regular flight from the U.S. to Europe, if you know, back in 2013, even 2014, regular, it was very rare to see flights drop below 600 bucks round trip, and a typical flight would cost maybe 800 to 1,000. And for a, a lot of reasons, everything from new budget airlines entering the transatlantic market to the cost of oil going down to more efficient planes. Uh, to uh, on down the line, a lot of these things have started to really drive the price of uh, transcontinental airfare down. And so, a flight that used to cost 650, 700 bucks to get to Paris nowadays regularly drops down to 400 bucks round trip. And so, I, I, it's not surprising that um, people would be like, "Whoa, what happened? Like, why? You know, like, why is this flight that I paid 300, you know, 700 dollars for a couple years ago now 400 bucks?" It's not because they're they're skimping on safety or skimping on on engine parts or stuff. It's because of these other factors that are driving down airfare. Another question uh, that came to us from readers is, how do you even start to find secret low fare connections, and do they actually even exist? So, you know, if you're looking Ohio to Kona, is it best to fly in and out of Vegas or just book with regular layovers? Like. Is there some secret that people can get access to, or is this just a figment of, of is this a figment of mythology? Mm, that's a great question. Um, let me give you an example. Um, say you want to fly to uh, the Galapagos Islands. If you were to search for flights from uh, uh, Ohio, let's pick my old home airport of Dayton. Uh, from Dayton down to the Galapagos Islands. You know, you just go on kayak, you put in Dayton and, and uh, to the Galapagos. That airfare is probably going to come back, I would guess, at least 1100 bucks. If you then, instead of searching that directly, you search from Dayton to Quito or Dayton to Guayaquil, often, it's, not, it's not uncommon that that fare drops down to 400 bucks, say. And you can get a flight commonly from the sort of mainland Ecuadorian airports, from Quito, from Guayaquil, over to the Galapagos for 250 bucks round trip. And so all of a sudden, by instead of having one single itinerary from Dayton to the Galapagos, you break it up into two separate itineraries. You're all of a sudden going to have not only a way cheaper uh, uh, overall cost to you, you know, so 650 bucks rather than 1100. But you can also spend time in Quito or Guayaquil or wherever in mainland Ecuador you also flew to 
and get to pair that with your with your trip over to the Galapagos. So I I like to think about it that way, especially if you're going to really sort of far flung destinations. If you're going to uh, you know the Greek islands, you're going to Galapagos Islands, places like that. Should try to break it up into two. A lot of times it can be way cheaper, or even something like um, uh, uh, I'll give you another small example. There was a mistake fare the other day down to Australia to Sydney for 550 bucks round trip. There were 11 U.S. airports that uh, that had it, but not anywhere in Ohio. Uh, I think the closest one is probably – I'm looking at the list right now. looks like probably Dallas was the closest place that had these $550 round-trip flights to Sydney. If you were to try to book from, Day- from Dayton to Sydney, that ticket would cost $1,400. But if you book a flight from Dayton to Dallas, you could get that for $150 easy. And then Dallas down to Sydney, that's – 550 you know you're 700 bucks versus 1400 half price and this is actually this i know i've told the story on the podcast before so i'll keep this extra short and you can like you know <laughs> listen to all the podcasts to find me telling the like extended edition um but the first flight that i ever booked with scott was um to chile and i went for a long weekend um which was dumb but great and i <laughs> flew the deal was out of orlando it was you know 280 ish dollars i've you know got a 99 dollar round trip like JetBlue was also having a sale so I got that flight and ended up flying (laughs) this is dumb I flew New York Orlando Orlando Panama Panama Santiago but I you know paid four hundred dollars yeah and it was great and they don't have to look that they They don't don't have have to look that crazy (laughs) no they don't have to listen to all the podcasts although they should oh yeah but in the September 2nd podcast is that that when I you you talked about that deal yeah Brad just gave you a shortcut Love but it. please do listen to all the podcasts <laughs> for sure. Another question that's kind of related to that that we got was how do you know to be flexible with departure cities? Like when it's mm. worth it to fly to Boston or Atlanta over leaving out of your home city? How, mm-hmm. how can a person figure that piece of the puzzle out? It's mm. a great question. Um, I would tip it, what I would typically do, uh, uh, let's just take this Ohio one again. Let's say I want to go over to Europe. Um, Let's, let's say I want, okay, let's say I want to go Dayton to Paris. The very first search I'm going to do is Dayton to Paris. And I'm going to get a sense, all right, what does that cost? Maybe that's like 700 bucks. Like, okay, you know, a good fare, but not nothing, nothing to write home about. Um, I'm not going to end, the problem is most people end their search there. Like, all right, 700 bucks, you know, pull out the credit card, this sucks, but whatever. What I'll instead do next is I'll search Chicago to Paris. I'll search Detroit to Paris. I'll search Columbus, I'll search, uh, even I'll search, you know, New York and DC, Philadelphia and Boston and see, you know, maybe one of those is 400 bucks and, or maybe I'll search like to somewhere near Paris. I'll search Brussels, I'll search Amsterdam, um, you know, maybe even London. It takes, gosh, a couple of minutes, you know, to go through kind of all those searches, especially on Google flights because it's so quick. And if I can get a really quick sense of, you know, all right, if I'm, I'm going to save 250 bucks if I fly out of New York rather than uh, uh, Dayton, see what the Dayton to New York costs. You know, is it if it's 100 bucks, then like, OK, great. Maybe I save 150 bucks. Is that worth the time and hassle of like flying Dayton to New York and then, you know, New York onto Paris? You can start to weigh that for yourself. But I figure it's never it's it's never a bad thing to just do a few extra searches and get a better sense of like what, you know, is this going to cost more or less? And are the savings going to be worth it? 
uh, for in for say increased hassle, but you can also view it as an opportunity, and sometimes as well. You know, I, I used to live in Washington D.C., gotten some of the best deals in my life out of New York. I would just come up a few days early in New York, visit with some friends, hang out, and then you know take my flight uh, take my flight out a couple of days later. So it's you know, a nice opportunity to like hang out with people there. And I would say you don't have to be like as competitive or necessarily like train yourself to be you know a cheap flight employee um mm. to kind of keep although it seems track, like a great place right, to work exactly to <laughs> kind of keep track of how much things cost from where you live near where you live if you're looking to go somewhere you know maybe once or twice a week you just kind of check and see what are the flights like what do they usually cost hop on hopper see what they think is going to happen with the flight um and then i think once you familiarize yourself i mean i've been doing this not as long as scott has but um you know, I've kind of had this sense now of like, I see something and I'm like, oh, that's a good deal. Oh, that's a bad deal. Cause I look at them pretty frequently. And I think that just kind of keeping yourself apprised of like what flights to the places that you want to go should cost, what you want them to cost, how often that happens, whether or not you could book it is going to be helpful for you in the long run to actually be able to be like, oh, that's a good deal. I need to book that now. If you're yeah. prepared for that, then the odds of it passing you by are probably pretty low. Absolutely. Another question that we got from people um, that you guys have talked about a little bit, but you know, is this notion of how do I know if this is a great deal? And mm. I'm wondering, Scott, if you guys have recipes for different markets that sort mm. of evaluate price versus airline versus departure city. And if mm. I were a power nerd and I'm configuring my Google flight search, you know, are mm -hmm. there, are mm -hmm. there formulas that you guys work with um, within different markets, sort of the key markets around the world? to yeah. come up with a threshold where the alarm goes off and says like, Oh, this is really mm. a good one. So, um, yes and no. The, I, the, we'll generally start out with, with sort of, uh, general thresholds for what I consider to be a good deal. So like anything below 500 to Europe, you know, below 400 to Hawaii, uh, below sort of 550 to Asia, below 800 to Africa, Australia. We'll have these sort of general thresholds in mind. And then we'll have a bunch of plus and minus factors. So, you know, the plus factors are if it's nonstop, if it is available from a lot of airports, especially if it's available from smaller airports, you know, if it or if it has like really good rate, uh, 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 routing, if it's not nonstop, if it's on a really nice airline, you know, Emirates or, or uh, ANA or one of those. Um, or we'll have minus factors, you know, if it has two or three connections or, you know, a really long layover or uh, um, stuff like that. Uh, uh, in general, sort of the bigger airports, uh, both on the departure and the arrival side, will expect a slightly lower price point. So we might, you know, like, take $50 off in our mind of where the threshold should be. So, like, for flights from New York, $500 is a little bit high for what I would consider to be a good fare. I would say, you know, closer to 450 or 400. But if you're flying from um, Pittsburgh or you're flying, you know, from Des Moines or something like, yeah, 500 is going to be going to definitely be a good fare. And if you're flying to like Paris or London might be a little bit lower. If you're trying to fly to um, uh, Kiev or Sofia or Vilnius or something that might be a little bit higher. So it, again, balancing all these different factors, it's, it's a tough thing. And more than most people are excited to do in their sort of day to day when they're thinking about booking flights. Um, I like to think of it's one of the things that like 
is our job and that people are, are happy to pay us to do to like be keeping ourselves abreast of what are really good fares and letting people know so they don't have to spend all their time like figuring out is this a good deal or not. Um, but it, it, it's a tough thing with like dozens and dozens of different variables. So, you know, if you're a listener who's not entirely sure of what would be a good fare to, to Santiago or to Brazil, like don't, don't feel bad. Like most people are in that, in that sort of boat and, 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 partly because there's not a one single easy answer. Um, there are edge cases, you know, a $400 flight to New Zealand, obviously, you know, that's an incredible fare, a $130 flight down to Santiago, you know, that's an amazing fare, but you know, most of them are in the sort of more murky gray area where it's not, it's not entirely clear one way or another. And I would say we do have another podcast that I think Mark Elwood might've been on like totally correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, that was about finding the best flight, which isn't always the cheapest flight. And I would say, you know, if something looks good to you and it feels good and it's in your budget and you want to go, you just book, like mm-hmm. just book it. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, you might get a mm-hmm. deal the next day that's like crazy cheap, but you know, you're going to feel more confident being like, yes, yep. I'm going on this trip. I did the best I could. Um, so if it's valuable to you, mm-hmm. it doesn't you have to be. You got a funny story out of it. Like, no, exactly. Oh, the time, <laughs> time I wanted to book a flight to Genoa and I pulled the trigger a day early. Like, you know. <laughs> no, I think oh, that, I awesome. think that, yeah, there's, there's the difference between, you know, a cheap flight and a deal is kind of up to you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. So I just have a couple more questions. One, obviously, in backing it out a little bit, like you guys are doing really well. You've grown tremendously over the last year. How has the cheap flights marketplace changed even outside of, of your own purview? You know, I know Google Flights has really introduced a lot of updates in the last year. Um, we have new things like basic economy classes being rolled out. Um, there are ever more budget carriers coming online mm. and developing international flights. How are you seeing that that landscape change, Scott? Mm. Yeah, you touched on a lot of the really important ones. I mean, it seems like every month there's a new budget carrier uh, um, that's popping up. Most recent one is Primera Air between uh, Europe and, and the United States, which is right for some people. It's not right for everybody. But I think at the same time, everybody does benefit because these budget carriers with their real sort of eye-popping prices do force the more legacy airlines, your United and American and Delta, to start offering lower fares in order to try to compete with them. And so even if you're not flying the budget airline per se, you're still benefiting it from it on, uh, uh, on the legacy airline tickets. Um, one of the interesting things to me has been watching the trends in uh, in flight prices. Um, places that have been much more expensive and are starting to come down. I mean, I mentioned India before uh, earlier. It, you know, it used to be very rare to see flights to India under $1,000. And now it's pretty common, at least from bigger cities in the U.S., to see them um, around 600 bucks round trip, sometimes even a little bit less. Um, uh, ditto, like uh, we've also seen uh, prices start to come down a lot for, to uh, in Europe. We've seen it in Italy and the Netherlands um, before, you know, a couple of years ago. It's rare to see those below sort of 800 bucks round trip. Now regularly see those in the sort of high 300s, low 400s. Same with Hawaii um, starting to come down, especially in the last few months. Um there are other places, unfortunately, that have been going the other direction. 
southern South America, Brazil and Argentina especially, um, there was a period, especially around the 2016 Olympics in Brazil, in the period leading up to that, when cheap flights to Brazil were a dime a dozen. It was amazing. And now, oh, they're so rare. It's my it, it, it's my own white whale trying to find <laughs> flights down to, down to Rio. Um, and for the most part, ditto with Australia and New Zealand. I mean, those have been expensive historically, and they're still very uh, expensive typically, which is why when these mistake fares pop up, we're who my heart skips a beat. I'll get really, really excited to find those and send them out. Um, uh, uh, but your, but this, yeah, unbundling of airfare is, is something that is, uh, uh, I think you're going to see even more of in these next couple of years. I mean, not just, not just new budget airlines doing their own unbundling, you know, saying fees for, for every little thing, but even the legacy airlines starting to offer unbundled fares. So you're seeing this, especially with United and, um, and Delta even now on some international uh, flights saying, you know, for the budget economy uh, uh, bookings in, you know, in that uh, uh, fare class, you you can't cancel it. You know, you have to pay extra for bags. You can't choose a seat, all those different types of things. Um, so you have to really kind of pay attention to what you're booking, making sure if it says basic economy on there that you're reading the fine print closely. And I will say that Google Flights does not tell you on the site it'll just say regular economy and um i would just go you know you can click onto the website for you know united or delta or whatever um american airline that you're flying and just make sure it doesn't say basic economy because you will end up paying there's a there's a chrome extension (gasps) that you can add on that will tell you man this is why (laughs) you should listen all the way through the podcast (laughs) Yes. Um, yeah, there's a Chrome extension that you can uh, add on to that will um, tell you not only not only add on fees, but also uh, uh, um, like leg room and and stuff like that. I'm trying to um, think of the name. Um, got leg rooms for Google Flights. Um, I believe is the name of the of the extension. But yeah, if you just Google um, Google Flights. Chrome extension, it'll definitely pop up. Uh, very, very helpful. Awesome. My last question for you, and Mara, I don't know if you have anything else, but um, is really about as you've grown, as you've gotten all these new users, what is the most in-demand feature that people are asking you for? You know, last time you were on, we talked a lot about, you know, sort of new ideas, new features, new things you were thinking about doing. What do you find people wanting from you as a next step most? Mm. I get the email constantly, Scott, can you free, please find me $300 fares to Australia? And I say, man, I wish I could. I wish those, I wish I could control the airfare, but, um, trying to <laughs> setting aside, being able to actually control, uh, uh, what the plane, what the airlines set their prices at the biggest thing too. And, and something that we're eagerly working on is, um, uh, being able to customize your alerts to include only certain destinations. So some people say like are only looking for cheap flights to France or they, you know, maybe they have family in, uh, in Ukraine and only want, you know, interested in cheap flights to Ukraine. Just get me, you know, the cheapest flights from the U S to Ukraine. I'll figure out how to get to that destination airport. And so it's something that we're, 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 uh, uh, without spilling the beans, without scooping ourselves, we're working on it, uh, uh, closely. And, um, yeah, uh, have that and a couple other features coming out here. Hopefully, pretty soon. Fingers crossed. Knock on wood. Um, don't want to scoop ourselves, but yeah, stay tuned. It's going to be exciting. Subscribe and stay tuned.
Yes, there you go. Any plans to get more into the domestic market? Uh, it's something that we're constantly weighing. Um, so like I said, we, we do Hawaii, Alaska, and uh, the islands. Starting to think about like maybe the sort of coast to coast. What the difficulty with it is, uh, A, the sheer number of possible connections. I mean, if you think about the number of different airports in the U.S., I mean, let's say there we search a hundred of them. You know, all the different connections, uh, uh, all the different possibilities in there, it becomes very unwieldy very fast. And one of the things we're very sort of careful of is making sure that we don't spam people. We want to make sure that they're every alert that we send them we consider an extremely good deal and one that they really want to open. And so that's been the concern of starting to de- delve into the domestic market is even the very best savings, you know, a 50% saving off of a regular domestic flight is going to save you 150 bucks, whereas a 50% saving on a typical flight to to Paris might save you 400 bucks. And so, you know, it's just a, a little bit categorically different. That's why we haven't up till now. Um, ask me again next time I'm on and we might have already might have already launched it by then. Uh, we might have already even launched, you know, business and first class ones. There's a lot of different like directions that we're that we're considering. But I love hearing the input from folks, you know, what folks what subscribers really want um, and then trying to figure out, all right, what's feasible? What can we actually accomplish and making sure that we're like delivering the best service possible for subscribers. So go out, subscribe to Scott's Cheap Flights email and let him know what kind yes. of flights you are looking yes. for. And let, us know, off. and let us know too. Tweet at us uh, at CN Traveler. Um, and that seems like a great place to end it. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We are on iTunes, we are on SoundCloud, and visit us at cntraveler.com. Um, we are also at Condé Nast Traveler on Facebook and YouTube, CN Traveler on Instagram, Twitter, and the Snapchat. Do we still? We don't. Really? We do? I think we still do Snapchat. People do the Snapchat? Okay. <laughs> All right. Snapchat still exists. And please do tweet at us about flights that you're interested in, hacks that you're interested in, um, podcast topics. Send us feedback. Review us on iTunes. Uh, we do look at the feedback. Quite a few podcast topics have come from user feedback and user input. So we'd love to hear that. Um, and as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, another reward for listening to late. We have Meredith and Lale's new podcast, Women Who Travel, which will be launching on Monday, December the 4th. Please tune in for that. Subscribe to that on your favorite podcast service. Scott, how can people reach you, find your stuff, sign up for your newsletter? Yeah, scottscheapflights.com. No apostrophe, no hyphens or anything, just scottscheapflights.com. Uh, follow, we're on, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, or just shoot me an email, scott at scottscheapflights.com. All at scottscheapflights? All at scottscheapflights.com. Awesome. Oh, uh, I guess actually, no. Oh, gosh, which is the one that's not Scott's Cheap Flights? I think Twitter is at Scott's Flights. Stupid character limits. This is pre-280 when every character really made a difference. So I think on Twitter where it's Scott's Flights, if you go to scottscheapflights.com, you'll see the links there, and it'll uh, 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 make sure to direct, it'll direct you to our social media pages. One-stop shop. Mayor? There you go. 
So I'm at Oh Hey There Mare, and I will say, I know I went on a really uh, rowdy um, soapbox a couple episodes ago uh, asking you to tweet <laughs> me uh, with your podcast ideas, and I'm so grateful to those of you who did um, and who shut down Brad and Mark. Um, <laughs> but I will say that we're planning the rest of, um, I guess, the first half of next year and would obviously love to get your input. We've had a lot of topics the last six months come from you guys, and we'd love to hear more. But you can see see Mark and Brad that's fine too. Oh, you have permission. <laughs> You've been granted permission. Um, I'm at Brad Rick, everyone. Have a great weekend. Thanks to both of you for, for tuning in and thanks to Brett for doing And Brett, by the way, we haven't mentioned this yet. Brett's a dad. Brett is a dad. So Brett is yay, like a, Brett. has not slept at all. <laughs> Brett, man, people need to tweet you some congratulations because you're looking tired over there. You looking like you could use some crowdsourced enthusiasm. What's your Twitter? Do you have a Twitter? At Bert Fox is there Brett. We go. Tweet at him some parental encouragement. <laughs> Have a great weekend, everyone. Bye.